Want to learn how to see and share Jesus from all the scripture? Learn with us at the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome to the Christ Center and Clear podcast. I'm your host, Nate Aiken. With me today are my brother, John Aiken, also Josh Redberg. We're in a short Advent series focusing on the women Matthew includes in his genealogy. Uh, each one provides a fascinating glimpse of God's grace. And so today's episode, we're going to look at the story of Ruth. And so let's jump in right there. John, uh, last week we looked at the story of Rahab. What takes place, just kind of give a general overview of what takes place between Rahab uh, up to Ruth. Well, it's... Um... They, the people of Israel, you know, go into the land. They do a northern campaign, a southern campaign, and then, and then God at the end of the book of Joshua allots the land to the tribes. And then you see that the in the next book is Judges, which has this kind of more, you know, local, regional judges, rulers. There's no king in Israel. Uh, obviously, we're told everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. It's a, it's a it's a period of rebellion and um idolatry and and um and instead of having you know having taken the land and at peace and they're being arrested they're being harassed by these foreign people around them who are either um putting them under subjection taxing them all those different things and so Ruth takes place during that period of of Israel's history where things are just kind of a, a, a mess and people aren't walking with the Lord. Josh, have you, you preached through the book of Ruth? I preached a couple sermons from just here. Couple sermons? Um, yeah. Can, can you give us the general uh, story of Ruth one through four? Yeah. So Ruth one picks up in the time of the judges and you see a, a failure of a certain family. Um, an Israelite has left uh, Israel and he's looked, gone searching for food in a, in a foreign land there. He um he takes wives for his sons, and then then he dies. Uh, his sons die, and Ruth, who's one of his daughters-in-law, uh, decides to return to Israel with her mother-in-law. In this sweet passage that's often referenced in Ruth one, she gets there. Not a lot of prospects in chapter two. She goes into a field, happens to be the field, happens to be as used a few times, happens to be the field of a of a relative of um, her mother-in-law and her, her dead husband. And there uh, we're introduced to Boaz, this relative, and he's, he's kind and he's gracious and he fulfills the law. And he does this, uh, he does this in a way by reaching out to um, reaching out to uh, Ruth sort of through his servants to make sure she has plenty of food comes back Ruth chapter three she goes to him a lot of controversy about what that is about I'm gonna let John step in that later but she goes to him and through um through different means or possible means <laughs> she uh she Boaz decides that he's going to redeem her and that's what happens in chapter four is that he goes through this process to redeem her and take her as his bride and then it ends by letting us know that she's the great-grandmother of King David I'll get to that question. Uh, I'll ask John to kind of give some details on the story in a minute. But uh, before we go there, John, you're planning to preach this as a an Advent. Josh, you have preached this in Advent. Uh, Josh, maybe you yes. first. What was the main kind of idea of that sermon, Main the main topic, kind of what you were trying to drive home, particularly as, as it relates to Advent? Yeah, we try to focus on grace in each of these women's lives, sort of the thing that connects them all together. And this was redeeming grace. 
Um, and so as we walked through it, chapter one was this, uh, a family's failure and how, uh, he, this is not a, an Israelite who ha- is in obedience. It's one who's in disobedience. He's typical of the time of judges in chapter two, you see, uh, God's favor in the way that he places her in the right spot to encounter Boaz, his kindness to her. Chapter three, I think it's a chapter about human effort. You know, she's attempting to try to gain rest for herself because this word rest comes up a lot in chapter three, but she's unable to attain it for herself. Um, but then through through Boaz, uh, this rest comes. And I think it's a beautiful picture, as we'll talk about mm-hmm. as we go along, of the redemption of Christ that brings rest to his people. And so just that sort of goes back and forth between failure and God's favor, between human effort and grace and redemption. Yeah, John, what about you? Yeah, so we're we're walking through, you know, like the the advent uh and that week's um candle is joy. And so we're talking about joy in the midst of despair. Mm. Um and so this it starts as a tragedy and then and then you know through the through the love story and and the and the way that the the story unfolds you have this uh joy at the end where Naomi you know goes from being bitter uh to being joyful and um and and then just just to again point to all the different ways that this this points to Jesus um and and, and how that's uh, again like uh Josh said a story of grace so you have um you have king you know the kingly line is is formed here. You have an answer to the brokenness and the darkness of the period of the judges. That there's no king in Israel, so God's God's working in 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 that to to bring about His plan. You've got the redeemer, um, you know, aspect of it, and you've got even inclusion of the Gentiles uh, with with Ruth saying, "Your God is going to be my God," and 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 those kinds of things. So there's just a, there's a lot of of ways that the the story of the gospel is highlighted in this, in this book. Yeah. I can't remember. There's a book in that gospel according to old Testament. So there's a gospel according to Ruth. Um, this, I think it's called like from famine to fullness or something like that to hit on some of the things you guys mm-hmm. are hitting. Um, generally remember that being helpful, but I don't remember who wrote it. Um, let's maybe I'll go here first, Josh and John both weigh in. Uh, but then I want to get into some of the more, I guess, questions in the text and so forth. How important is it that Ruth obviously is, uh, she's not a, a Jew, she's a Moabitess. Why, why is that significant both in the genealogy, but also in the story here uh, in the Old Testament? Yeah, I think there's two reasons. One is I think it was, uh, I think it was ready for, it, it's showing us the the difficulty of the judges time and how ready they were for God to work because we saw this in Judah, right? Is that his, his sons marry what we believe is a foreign woman, which Israel is told not to do. And here you have, you have Ruth's father-in-law. He, he goes down, um, he leaves Bethlehem and he goes down into a foreign land and there his sons marry foreign women. So I think it's doing two things. One is it's showing how, how desperate the time was, how, how much the people of God had turned away, but also then how God uses that to include Gentiles uh, in the story of redemption, which right is just a microcosm of the whole Testament, is Israel's failure to follow God, Israel's failure to believe, um, is what God uses to bring the Gentiles, graft them into his family. And so I think it's, it's the whole story in a microcosm here in this story. John, anything you'd add? 
Yeah, I, I, and it's it's striking because uh, Moabites uh, Moabitus was not allowed into the tabernacle. They, they li- mm. literally could not even come into God's house to worship. They were that was forbidden in Deuteronomy because um, the Moabites didn't help Israel as they were coming out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness. They didn't provide food for them and and um, and so because of that, they're not allowed in there. So for 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 God to use this lady to, you know, to, to be part of the messianic line, um, is, is striking, uh, to show just how, again, God's promise to Abraham was that, that Israel would be blessed in order to be a blessing to all the peoples of the earth. We see that throughout the storyline. Um, and then he uses this to bring the blessing of the Messiah. Um, and so, but using a, a Moabitess, that's what, that is why it is shocking that they would leave because there was a famine in the house of bread in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. They leave, uh, mm-hmm. there and they go and they go to this place again, uh, with these people who, who weren't even allowed to, to, uh, approach God in, in his house. And so for mm-hmm. God to use that and just, it, it shows, um, his grace. And, um, it also shows, I, I we see this a lot in, in the old Testament, um, uh, you know, he, he's got a sense of humor and, and there's lots of irony yeah. in life. Let me ask a question like this. Uh, just, yeah. I mean, obviously the book is called Ruth, but who, who's the book mainly about? Jesus. Is that <laughs> a good answer? For? <laughs> yep. That's a good one. We'll get to that in a second. Secondly, uh, secondarily, who's the book about? I mean, I feel like you want me to say Boaz here. I Which don't actually true. want you to say Boaz. Naomi. Naomi. I want you to say Naomi. Yeah. Well, this, yeah. again, I think there's several there's several yeah. characters in the story that are very significant. Ruth obviously is for the reasons we just mentioned, but yeah. the other they're, they're also significant characters. I mean, yeah. even the ends with saying Naomi um, ha, has been mm-hmm. given a son, and so, anyways, just yeah. wanted y'all to unpack that a little bit. Yeah, I think there are. They're like they're they all serve somewhat as types of other things, right? So Ruth as a type of. Um, the Gentiles, but really any anyone who turns in faith and is redeemed, Boaz is a type of the Messiah, but also I think Naomi is Israel, right? She is at least what Israel, she, she's Israel at the start, and she's what Israel was being called to be by the end, one who, who returns to God. And so they do all, they do all sort of stand in for larger groups of people. And, and I do think as well, it's a, it is a, it's history, but it is a beautifully told story. Mm-hmm. And all of these characters, I mean, have these different arcs. Um, I mean, Boaz is the, is the only one really, I don't think we see much uh, in terms of like character development, but, but Naomi's, Naomi's arc from being widowed in a foreign land to becoming a grandma um, is, is remarkable. And it is what is used to highlight um, God's, providential care through this episode at the, at the climax of the story at the end. Uh, so we've, we've made mention of it throughout the interview so far, but what, what are some of the more thorny issues, debated issues in the text? Even if just, again, it's been a long time since I've looked at Ruth. If any of y'all have this on hand and feel free to add this in when, you know, authorship, time of authorship, when it would have been read, all those factors as well, but hit some of the main issues that are debated among scholars. Well, I was I was going to mainly focus on what's happening in chapter three. Bring it. So everybody, so 
I'd be interested to hear how Josh preaches this. I think what most scholars or preachers say, because Naomi tells uh, Ruth to go basically to the threshing floor where Boaz is going to be sleeping. This would, this would have been a spot. The threshing sp- floor would be a sp- spot that is very private where you could be shielded from other people and you could do things like, like people would meet with prostitutes and, on threshing floors. Okay. So uh, it was a, it was a private place. It was a, it was a place where you, you could have, you know, be shielded from certain things. She tells him, tells her to go there while he's sleeping and to, and to lay down his feet and take off his shoes um, or uncover his feet is, is the way that the, the language uh, reads. And so most preachers will say, what I've heard most of my life is we don't really understand what's going on here. It's some kind of a cultural, you know, action that we don't really understand where she's showing her interest in him and that she would like for him to marry her. But obviously it can't be anything untoward because Ruth's a a righteous person and Boaz is a righteous person. And so obviously it can't be anything shady uh, and so that's, we don't know, really know what it means. It's just showing that she, you know, has intentions for him. Is that how you preached it, Josh? I didn't really address it. Um, okay. I sort of focus on a couple other things in the chapter. Okay. I mean, I've, I've preached through three. Do you care how I preached it? Yeah. I'd love to know. <laughs> I was going to, I'm going to wait till you make your argument and I'll ask you a follow-up question to reveal okay. how I preached it. Yeah. So, so what I think, so, so let's, let's back up on a couple of things. Okay. And, and this, this series that we're doing um, is really helpful here because we, most people are raised in, you know, who are raised in church have been given this character study approach to the old Testament. And then, so it's like, you know, who, who are the good guys be like them? Who are the bad guys be like them? And it, it acts like people are characters in a, you know, a, a Disney cartoon and that they're not like real life people. And that, and that like in the, in the, when I preached on Sunday in the Judah and, and Tamar story, there's nobody in the story that you look at and go, yeah, go be like them. <laughs> right. You know, like go and do likewise that this is not, it's not in there. These are real people with real lives, making real decisions that, that are messy and have consequences. And just because they're in there, it doesn't mean that God is like approving of them just because God is working despite what they're doing. doesn't mean that he's like approving of it or anything like that. So, so I absolutely believe like uncovering nakedness is a, is a, the way that Leviticus talks about, um, se- sexual activity. Okay. And so her uncovering his feet, I think that she's, she's making a pass at him. Now he, he doesn't, you know, I don't think they, they sleep together. He, he gets the, uh, although they, you know, they, they are in there till morning. The text doesn't tell us specifically, but it, I think at the very least she's making a pass at him. This will tick everybody off who listens to this podcast in the same way that I think Esther has sex with the king before they get married. I mean, it's just, it's just part of the story. And so I don't, we try to make it like flannel graph and nice and easy and, and, and neat, but you know, life, life doesn't really, life's not really like that. We, we can't, we can't always sanitize the text. So here, could I give just why I didn't go that direction? Please. And then what I thought, where I went with the chapter. There's a couple things in here that didn't allow me quite to go there. One is Ruth's comment in verse nine, where she says, take me under your wing for you are a family redeemer. Like that imagery is coming from 
um, earlier scripture, right, from uh, what, what Moses says in Deuteronomy. So you have her quoting scripture, and then you have you have uh, Boaz's response in verse 11, um, all the people in my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Now, that could be an, ins- an ins- inspiring say- sentence, like, we're not doing this because this isn't who you are, but like these are a couple factors that led me not to go quite there. But I did look at it, I think, ultimately in the same way in this sense. This is Ruth's attempts to to manufacture redemption for herself. This is her effort because it begins with, the chapter begins with her mother-in-law, Naomi, saying, I should be able to provide you rest, but I can't. Then in the middle of the chapter, you have Boaz who says, lie down here until morning. And then the chapter, verse 18 says, uh, my daughter, wait until you find out how these things go, for he won't rest until he resolves this today. And so one of the dominant themes is her inability to provide rest for herself, but it ends with Boaz being the one who can provide rest. So I think regardless of where you land exactly on that issue, the point is that she's unable to accomplish this. Boaz must do it for her, um, whether that's through <laughs> whatever means she attempts to accomplish it or not. Yeah, I mean, and, and people disagree with me. I uh, that that word there in in verse nine, wings. It's, it's take your skirt and and put it over me. Is literally like what literally the Hebrew says. Um, and so, I mean, I don't know. I think I I think the biggest piece of data for me on the other side, which again does does get into you know you've talked about Rahab and Tamar, which is helpful to see in that, which is why this is not a clinching argument. But nothing in the text, and this seems to it all question either Boaz's integrity or hers. And so you're saying that's just that's just them kind of recognizing this is just everyday life. This is not really the point of the story, and so that's why it's maybe not addressed. Is that how you would probably answer that objection? Yeah, because I don't I don't think it's I don't think that. I mean, nothing in Esther um, paints Esther in a bad light. Um. And so I, I I just think it's not really yeah that's not really the, the point of this story is this is this is how they how they got together I think she was doing what she needed she had to, what she had to do she's in a desperate situation how does this text point us to Christ I mean one of the one of the obvious pictures is Boaz so when he goes to redeem Ruth you you see there's a few things right he had to had to be a relative um, in order to redeem her and I think you get a great picture of the incarnation there. Jesus sharing flesh um, so that he can die in our place. He had to have resources, right? He had to have the ability to actually purchase her. Like there, um, Jesus had the power of an indestructible life in order to pay the cost of redemption that we could not pay. And he had to be willing to sacrifice to redeem her. And of course, all of these things point to Jesus. There are other things you could point out as well. But in Boaz, you get a, a great picture of that. And of course, it ends with, um, you know, her her and him being part of the line of King David. And so you, you see the, the messianic fulfillment there. John. Yeah. I, I think um, a couple that I mentioned before, but I'll, you know, uh, expound on is that the inclusion of the Gentiles. Um, and so we see too. the, the promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, how it's working out in history. And then ultimately will work out, um, you know, through the great commission after, after Jesus has been, uh, uh, crucified and raised from the dead, and he and he commissions his his disciples to go out uh, and to take this gospel to all peoples, all nations. 
Um, and so we see a glimpse of that here. And then um, obviously the the genealogy at the end with the this being the the um, creation of the line of David. Um, and this is the so so some scholars I, and I, I can't remember who the quote uh, came from exactly, but said that the book of Judges was a tract for kingship. And so it was written to, to prove, hey, we need a king. And then, and then it's, you know, at, by the end of the judges, they're, they're basically Sodom and Gomorrah. They got people who want to, who come, you know, rape the guests who are staying in the town. He throws out his concubine. They, 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 I mean, it, I'm not trying to be over the top here. They gang rape her till she dies. Uh, and then, and then her guy cuts her up in 12 pieces and sends it like this. This is an, awful story and it shows Israel and then in order to fix when civil war breaks out after that in order to fix the fact that that, uh, that one tribe is about to be wiped out they they sanction basically the raping and taking of women forcing them to be your you know your wife um, and this is just a really dark picture and so Ruth is the answer to the book of judges there's there's no king in Israel everyone's doing it right in their own eyes and so you have it ends the final word in um, Ruth is David, and so God is is working to redeem His people, uh, even though they're they're very broken. So, a couple of comments. So, obviously, John, you talked about the inclusion of the Gentiles. So, in my conclusion, pointing to Christ, Ephesians two, the kind of welcoming into those who have been strangers to the covenants of promise and promise and alienated mm-hmm. to the commonwealth of Israel. It says, interestingly, the last verse of chapter three: "The man will not rest." Uh, but we'll settle settle the matter today. And I made a connection to to it is finished. Um, mm. Then let me ask you one question, John. I made a connection now that you've uh, given me your uh, the the Hebrew of spread his wings. I made a connection to uh, Matthew twenty three that Jesus would take vulnerable sinners under his wings. You know how often he would gather his children together as as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. Would that be a false connection because of the the way the Hebrew is, or is that the, similar? The, the word can mean either either one. It can mean wings, or okay. basically like the hem of your robe. But isn't it the same word that that Ruth uses, or Boaz uses in Ruth two twelve when he says, um, "Under whose wings you have come for refuge?" So I that's, believe, I believe so. Yeah, that's yeah. the imagery. Yeah, so that's why I think a lot of times it's translated wings. It seems that she's echoing back what he said about God. So, right. I don't think it was a legitimate. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. You at least care about how I preach this sermon. Um, how, how did y'all? Let's do quick. We're we're running short on time. This has been a good episode. Um, how would you quickly just a few applications you drew from your connection to Christ, um, and then we'll we'll kind of end there. I think the rest is a great one. The rest you need can only be found in Christ. You're doing all of these things. There's human effort abounds in this. That's why I think it's a wonderful picture. Ruth can't solve her problem. Like she needs help. She's got to go to someone else. And the promise is that there's this rest. And coming out of Joshua, Judges, and the lack of rest that they had in the land, like there's, I think, a beautiful picture of rest. I think also the return, the leaving Bethlehem during a time of famine and returning to it, the house of bread, is this wonderful picture of God's provision for his people through Jesus Christ, the bread of life. Um, So just especially at Advent time, you're looking at all these other places. People are going everywhere else for meaning, for for rest for their souls, and they're not going to find it apart from Christ. John? Yeah, I I think you see, um, like, 
in chapter one, for example, the, the conversion of, of Ruth, basically, I mean, her, her statement of faith that, that Yahweh is going to be her God, um, is just, I mean, easy evangelistic, uh, or mission, um, application that you can do there. Um, and, and, and I think the other thing is, is just to, to try to give people hope. Like, again, we see that in all these stories, but this, this idea of at the end of the story that he's a restorer of years for Naomi, uh, it reminds me of what, what the prophet Joel says, um, that he, that God is going to restore what the, what the locust is, the years that the locust has eaten. Um, mm-hmm. and so, so God is what he does with Job at the end of the story, right? Like you're, you, no matter what's happened in your life, no matter what pain and heartache, and this is a lot of national tragedy with the famine, but a lot of personal tragedy here with, you know, being widowed and all those different things, but God, you know, God can still work. So like I talked about, um, Sunday, it doesn't matter what your, what your backstory is. God can write a different story, um, in the future. And, um, yeah. and so there's, and so that's redemption, restoration, like that's, that's available. Yeah. Josh, you may have pointed this out last week, but, or maybe earlier in this one, I've just already missed, missed that. But one of the things that's interesting is that he's, he's, it's this preserving power here through just ordinary everyday things. Like this is not even, it's not the marching around seven times in the fall of the, yeah. Uh, of Jericho. It's just the normal means of how ordinary means of grace that the Lord uses to redeem Ruth and Naomi and obviously point forward to to the um to birth of David. So yeah, Ruth's are really I know guys who have preached Ruth one, two, three, four for Advent as well. It's a good it's yeah. a good book to consider uh at Advent. So thank you guys for uh pitching in there and we thank you for listening to the Christ Center and Clear podcast. Join us next week as we continue this story of Advent by looking at the fourth woman listed in the genealogy. Uh we'll be looking next week at Bathsheba. We'll see how the grace of God is big enough for even the messiest of lives. Thank you for listening to the Christ Center and Clear podcast. If you have questions, topics, or texts that you'd like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at podcast at ChristCenteredAndClear.com and please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources that will help you see and share Jesus from all of Scripture. Scripture.